Hi, I'm Greg Yellen with Reynolds & Reynolds, and this is Connected. Today I have an in-person interview, which is always exciting, in the Connected studio here in beautiful Dayton, Ohio. I get to sit down with Amberly Montgomery, who is our Growth and Development Manager for Naked Lime Marketing. Uh, Amberly, thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me, Greg. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you've been on the, uh, the the speaking circuit a little bit lately, something a little new for you, at least for, for us, uh, but you were on Ted Ings Fixed Ops Roundtable, uh, uh, Brian Pash's event in Austin. Uh, the Digital Strategies Marketing Conference, DSMC. I usually just say that, so it mm-hmm. rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Um, but I wanted to start there, and we'll get to the content in a little bit. But um, I'm curious for those that either have spoken at events like this, have uh, participated in events like this, or maybe want to do it in the future. From your perspective, what's it been like, especially prep-wise, right? You, you think, okay, I got 30 minutes or 15 minutes or however much time, Um but it takes a lot to, to be prepared to be there. Mm-hmm. So what's that look like for you? Yeah, I do a lot of writing and rewriting. I've been doing this since I was in college, even studying for tests. Like, uh, even if I know the information, being able to see it and then almost um, type it out myself. Um, I have been had a lot of helpful people who have also given me anecdotes and um, also just experience guiding me through these things. So that's been helpful. But I like to take some of their notes uh, and put it in my own words. And again, by typing and writing, reading, um, I like to read it when I first get done with it, put it away for a couple days, uh, read it again. So that's typically what my prep's like. And honestly, just trying to run through scenarios in my head, what questions they could ask, uh, what I would like to get out and say, but I don't always want to deviate the conversation. So trying to figure out a couple different ways to work that in. So really just a lot of um, looking down, reading, and then just building your confidence. Um, talking with people I know is a lot easier than talking to a bigger room. Um, so I enjoy both types, um, but they present different challenges uh, each time. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, so when you write it out, I'm always curious for people, do you prefer like long form like almost speaking and typing it out or do you prefer bullets or like an outline? What's your preference or maybe where do you start and where do you finish? Yeah, I start uh, almost narrative. So Mm -hmm. I start paragraph wise almost to get out exactly what I want to say. And then before I'll go back and bullet it out from there. So I've got the gist. I've probably practiced the narrative part already. Um, And once that goes for when I'm talking, it's like, okay, I can't read that narrative. I want to have eye contact. So then I bullet out like, make sure you hit this part. Like, yeah. you know, you want to hit that. Um, so that becomes the the trajectory. So start narrative, go down to bullets. Yeah, that's how I like to do it too. A lot of people though, they'll start, you know, outline and just boom, boom, boom. But for me, I just, for whatever reason, getting it all out on paper and then you can cut and paste and adjust and add and delete. So I, I don't know, I agree. I'm the same way. I was a communications major. Yeah. So like I did long form before and then have slowly transitioned into marketing, which is a lot more short form content. So I thought that was just how my brain worked. Like originally, I really wanted to be, you know, public speaking, telling these long form stories, but then the message and how it gets received should be more short form. So it's almost, yeah, it's a process for me. Um, But I like that you do it as well. It doesn't make me feel as crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So do you use uh, video at all in your prep? Do you record yourself? Uh, Sometimes a mirror. So I don't record myself unless it is um, a bigger initiative. I have we've used some video in our department where we'll release videos on Mm -hmm. updates. And those times I'll probably do one or two where I'll watch it back and be like, I can do that better. So in that form, um, I'll do a practice run and then redo it. But most of the time, it's just me in a room talking to myself, getting caught by my employees, like walking (laughs) by um, when I'm just, you know, 
trying to trying to get it all out into the ether so I can formulate it into a better cohesive. Word. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a big I mean practice is, is the most important part for me. There's something about that video though where you can play it back, you can hear the way that it sounds, you see how you look. That's even part of it too. You know, when you're on video or when you're on a stage Yes, the words are extremely important, but also what's your presence like? What do you look like when you're up there? I don't know. It, it's it's something to, to that's kind of difficult to get used to and comfortable with, but I've, I've found a lot of value in mm-hmm. it. I don't know. That's a good tip. I think I should try it more often. And since we have systems that do it, it could be easy. So yeah. that's a really good tip because <laughs> I think I find myself, even right now in this, I'm like, what should I put my art? Like you're <laughs> thinking about it even if you're having the conversation. So if you just got it out and were able to practice that before, I think that would be more helpful. Yeah, good no, tip. that's good. good um, <laughs> all right. So let's get into what you've been talking about, um, which, you know, obviously – um, I'm definitely familiar with it. I don't know if the whole audience is, though. Not everybody gets to go to all these types of events. Um, we try to push it out as much as we can, but it is interesting stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive into it. So one of the things we've done for a long time with Naked Lime uh, is a brand retention and defection report. So essentially, we look at every vehicle traded in in the U.S. over the course of the last 12 months. Uh, and when that vehicle's traded in, we look at what vehicle was purchased. So you calculate uh, brand affection or brand retention, however you want to look at it, right? Half half full or half empty um, across the brands. And this year, we uh, expanded that quite a bit. So I know you've been kind of diving into it and going through a lot of the things that stood out. So maybe call out some of the highlights and we can, we can jump into a couple. Yeah, I think over the last couple years, this report has been really helpful because of just some of the things that the industry has been going yeah. through. And so um, seeing that retention rates for most brands were still on the rise. I thought that was a big highlight of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, Toyota still being at the top, which shouldn't be a surprise to very many people, but they are um, uh, at least 10% higher than Honda, which yep. was their like closest competitor. So they're still significantly above um, most of their competitors, which I always find is interesting that they can, they can have that track, which just goes to show you how important loyalty is. That mm-hmm. once you have it um, and you can continue to build it, um, you can stay stronger in that area where all these other uh, brands um, struggle to increase 1% to 2% per year. Right. Um, so I think Toyota being on top was interesting. The other two parts, um, the truck retention rates uh, also stood out to me. So um, 70% of the time someone would trade in a truck, they would buy another truck. So although gas prices have been on the rise, people are still buying trucks. It did go down year over year, um, but still over 70% um, is still a pretty significant loyalty rate yeah. on that front. And then um, another big thing that the uh, that we added per the report was the regional breakdown. Yeah. So uh you know, across the United States, buying habits are vastly different, which is uh, a big reason why we use marketing in yeah. all of these places and why dealerships need us in that regard. So, you know, looking that um, like the Northeast has the highest retention rate, where the Southwest has the lowest retention rates, I'm sure that that changes the way you're using your marketing dollars and trying to capture Conquest customers or how you're trying to market your customers to um, buy another one of your vehicles back. So it's going to change depending on your brand, your location what type of vehicle truck car all the above yeah no that's good stuff so diving into a couple of those um i guess first when you think about retention right and so i'm a dealer um i have a certain make of vehicle that i sell right um and i know that retention on that vehicle across the country is 50 percent or less unless i'm toyota and then it's 60 (laughs) percent. but still four out of ten people are going to drive something else when they trade that toyota in um 
How much impact can a dealer, a retailer have on retention, if any? Yeah, do you, I, like, do you think there's an impact? I do. I think about my experiences today. Uh, I drive a Buick. I don't mm. like to say that out loud because I'm probably not going to buy another Buick after <laughs> I get done. Um, my experience in their service drive has an impact on that. The quality of the vehicle, the longevity of the vehicle has an impact on that. Right. But also uh, their marketing efforts. Um, the first couple years that I owned that, I felt like they did really well with that. They gave. I became part of a loyalty program where mm. I got 10% off any services. And then they either moved away from that marketing effort. It either wasn't working out for them. But uh, even if I didn't take advantage of it, I already felt like, oh, well, I guess this isn't as important to me. Yeah. So um, they did that through email marketing. And then I also can see a lot of their uh, billboards because I'm in the area. I can also sure. see their digital ads. So uh, I definitely think there's a way to use this report and to use your own data both uh, to help you grow and retain your customers, whether that be you know making sure that you're getting them back into the service drive or when they're ready to buy again, uh, you're ready to um, hit them with the messages that they'd want. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually hadn't <clears throat> thought of it in that light before. So I've always viewed retention and it was kind of a leading question. You went somewhere that I wasn't expecting, but I've always viewed it as like either I like the car or I don't, right? Either it's a well-made car and it's treated me well and it's lasted um, and I've enjoyed driving it because most likely um, – you know, you're in a, a certain style of vehicle for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a truck driver, to your point, you probably want to tow stuff or, you know, you want a truck bed for something. Um, if you drive a large SUV, you probably have to haul a bunch of kids or a bunch of stuff around, right? If you're in a small SUV, there's a reason for that too. So for whatever reason, I've always had it in my head that retention is, is based off of really the vehicle. But you make a really good point in that the ownership experience um, – <laughs> like everything else, isn't all uh, reality. Some of it is perception, right? And you mentioned marketing and being able to shape that perception. I think that's really interesting when you put the dealer in the middle and you, you look at it through the lens of ownership experience, right? How do you make that ownership experience feel special? Um, because that can't overcome any deficiencies in a vehicle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And dealerships do that too, right? Yeah. Um, even my experience when I walk into their service drive, um, I know amenities um, don't seem as important anymore, but, and cause you usually drop it off, but I haven't had a loaner car recently. Those have been, and I realize, you know, the reasons why that's the case, but that's kind of rubbed me the wrong way where if I have to leave my vehicle there, now I have to rely on someone else um, right. to take me places. When I first bought my vehicle, the first five years of ownerships, they, they offered me a loaner car almost even for an oil change. Now, yep. Maybe that's not realistic, right, <laughs> on the flip side. But knowing that those amenities are there and knowing the lack of them at um, this time, mm -hmm. I think that's a great marketing tactic. And you can um, advertise that through email marketing, through social media advertising too. Loaner cars, rental cars, mm -hmm. people are looking for those. Yeah. So um, if you can get somebody to rent a car from you, uh, that could get them excited about that vehicle. Because I yeah. feel like that's the only way you can test drive a vehicle without buying one. I agree. So there's a lot of marketing programs that I think you could do as a dealership to get people interested in your make. And you could use this to, this brand affection report to find the ones that might be most interested in. So if, you know, someone's most likely to defect from, you know, a Ford to a Chevrolet, mm -hmm. uh, you should you should market to the Ford customers in your area that, you know, you're, you have rental cars available. Yeah. So I, I do think there's a lot of marketing that goes into that and the ownership piece and feeling like you're a part of something. Mm -hmm. Jeep does that really well. I don't know about Jeep yeah. dealers specifically um, because Jeep, I, I was surprised to read, um, had, a, had a lower 
retention rate too, mm-hmm. probably because it's not, I mean, the Wrangler is probably high, I would assume. And then right. everything else is a little lower, um, but you're right. It's, it's all about the experience and, and the quality of the car. It's, you know, it's gotta be both. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, loaners and, and rentals, and I'm curious your perspective on this. I've, I've, I don't know. It's been rolling around in my head cause it's been a little bit top of mind, but what are your thoughts on Uber? Um, as a as a medium to do that, right? So you drop the vehicle off for an oil change, mm-hmm. to use your example, um, and maybe you can get in and out. Maybe you can't. Maybe it's going to be a couple hours, right? Because they're going to do an inspection. It's going to take thirty minutes to get back there. Obviously, it takes time to do the work. Yeah, maybe they're they're uh, courteous and they they do a, a car wash for you too. That's another ten minutes. Like the time adds up. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are your thoughts on on Uber as a way to provide somebody transportation, whether that's either you doing it as a consumer, just getting on your phone and, and pulling out the app and spend the 12 bucks or whatever it is, um, or the dealership providing it. Um, I don't know. Have you have any experience or any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have Ubered to a dealership before to get it. Um, but I think it'd be great if a dealer op- like offered complimentary vouchers, yeah. you know, especially if they know you're going to wait or had them in, you know, had a stack of them right there yeah. so that you could take one if you needed it. Um, you know, it might be hard to regulate, but they could, I think they could figure out a program with that. Um, I've definitely had to use that before right. when, you know, my husband's been out of town or the timing just doesn't align up. Um, so I think if a dealership could uh, help with that in any way, I think that would be effective for sure. Good. No, it's interesting. It's yeah. I've I've heard a few different conversations around it, and I, I I'm like I'm trying to put the pieces together with where's the impact, and it's all about convenience. I think right is really what it is. So yeah, I, I don't hear as much dealers doing the shuttle service very much anymore. Right. Uh, that used to be a big thing, and mm-hmm. that's gone away. So I, it would be natural to use uh, some of these systems that are already in place, and just be able to um, you know uh, have your customers use them with their help too yeah yeah Yeah. i think it's a great idea um all right so so you were uh i don't know you listed off kind of a few things right toyota being high truck uh regional breakdowns but one of the things i'm curious in is so you have a lot of experience you joined naked lime we were talking before we started recording um 11 years ago uh which was about six months after the brand started so i actually uh, moved over uh to the brand right before it started and uh kind of went through that transition um which was a lot of fun but you've been here you know about about the whole ride right so um how have you seen so data like this we've had it for a while right we've been leaning into it for quite a few years now um how have you seen either dealers use it or people that you've worked with or you personally use it to to kind of structure uh, a marketing strategy yeah, it's pretty much how we structure our marketing strategy before. When I first started at Naked Lime, uh, we weren't really using it at all. Or if we were, it was you were going above and beyond or you were doing something extra um, or, you know, you had access that someone else didn't. So um, it wasn't really expected or um, just it didn't exist as much. Yeah, I think that's the key, right, is is at that time, and it seems like it's not that long ago, but in reality, it's it was like a whole different world. Like all this stuff was just mm-hmm. coming about as far as digital advertising and and nobody really had or knew how to use any of this stuff. Yeah. And you, I mean, even now, you know, you can target uh, email addresses on Google and on Facebook. Mm -hmm. That has just been a capability within the last five years. So right right when we first started, it was just, you know, radius and, you know, text ads. And so seeing that change to now uh, the 
very in-depth, flashy ad types uh, that all these platforms provide. But being able to then target that really compelling creative using that data, we've seen a lot of ROI with our customers. So, um, you know, playing off even our advanced service product within Reynolds. So we have an advanced service product where you can mark um, you know, declines, we can now take um, all of those email addresses that have declined service and retarget them with a social media ad that says, hey, by the way, we, we care about you. We know you need this. Um, and depends on how long it's been, we could offer them 10% off, 20% sure. off and get them back in. So I, if you would have told me we were, we'd be able to do that in 10 years, I would have probably been really confused and not sure what we were doing. But um, it's been exciting. And being able to utilize that Reynolds data and those Reynolds products has made all of our marketing products so much stronger and so much more differentiated than they are because everyone can advertise on Google and everybody can advertise on Facebook, but it's how you're doing it. It's the creative you're using. It's the messages and it's the data that you're using. That's going to set you apart. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that that really interests me about, you know, the brand and uh, retention defection deal is, is the conquest side of it. So yes, it's good to know how many customers you're keeping, um, and I really like that lens of that you had mentioned about the the ownership experience, right? And, and how as a dealership you can market to those consumers to, to provide a great experience and have an impact on something that maybe feels like you don't. Um, so I love that. But the flip side of it, then, you know, there's five out of ten, six out of ten people in fill in the blank vehicle that aren't going to drive that vehicle next time, right? So how do you know um, who to target, right? And that's one of the things that the report calls out is by manufacturer, who's your top five conquest targets? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm curious, have you had any experience uh, kind of tactically going about doing that as well? So how do I I find, okay, I know that I want to target... um, just a basic example, Ford drivers, right? Or Ford F-150 drivers or fill in the blank. Um, you know, what does that, what does that look like if you're, if you're basing it? And obviously you're going to use more than one data point, but I think it gives a good starting point at least. Yeah. So part of our database cleansing process allows us to, um, do a VIN title transfer, which allows to show us what Uh, cars people are still driving or not still driving. So um, we have all of this information on all of our customers in there. So that could be that they're not driving one of our make vehicles right now. That means they might be coming into our service drive. They might have bought from us before, but our records show that they've traded that in elsewhere. So they didn't come back to us. Mm -hmm. So it's like there's these many like defection reports within our database that we can look at as well. So we could curate an audience that has um, non our make drivers. Um, and be able to target them on email, direct mail, social media, Google. We can target them all over there. We could start there. Um, We could also look at um, possibly some like individual zip codes that have a more propensity propensity to buy another make. So um, we could target there so we could use more um, brand level, so not as granular, but Mm -hmm. we still have data like this that shows us like, you know, the North, you know, the Northeast is more loyal. So here's how you could arrange your marketing a little different. So those are a couple examples that we have used. Um, Conquest is, seems like a very interesting topic for dealerships. And 
for a good reason, right. clearly, right? Um, and uh, being able to use the data to do that instead of a broad message is a lot more effective. So again, your service drive is the best place to look if you've got people bringing in non-makes and then also looking at your uh, database as a whole and whoever's not driving your make would be the places I would start. Yeah. So let's talk about that message a little bit too, because I'm always interested in this. And my go-to for any sort of conquest is always like the dare to compare, right? Mm -hmm. So you have, just stick with that truck mantra. So you have, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, your Ford store and you want a conquest, you're going to go after truck uh, drivers today that are going to defect, right? But they're going to stay in a truck. So dare to compare F-150, Silverado, Ram 1500, w- whatever it is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pick your poison, depending on where you're at in the country. Um, and I, th- I think that that's just such a, a simple and easy way to go about it, to bring somebody in. So you have the targeting that brings them in, you have the content that, that gets them thinking, and then you can move them down the funnel. But um, what other types of stuff have you seen work or any other ideas? Yeah. I've seen a lot, like a lot of dealers offer more trade-in dollars for a certain set of vehicles. Okay. So if you come in and trade in, you know, a Ford truck and I'm a Chevy dealer, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll pay more. And also that helps build their used car lots as well. Yeah. So um, I've seen some trade-in uh, offers on that regard. I've also seen um, some, again, loyalty options. So, you know, if you you trade in a Ford and you come over to a Chevy, here's a program we'll set you up with. Um, maybe it's three years free oil changes. Um, and they may offer offer an element of that to every customer, but just uh, a little bit of an additional incentive. So usually I see just better financing rates, some type of an additional money off if they trade that in. Um, The data compares work a lot or, you know, showcasing um, if one won an award recently or not, showcasing um, those items like you know, Chevy took over this award for this year. So um, something to look at. And then if, you know, there's a redesign or again, just marketing the model in general comparatively, I see that work well too. Yeah. Yeah. How important do you think um, features are in a vehicle? So that's another thing that I always, I always consider when I'm thinking about, especially these numbers with conquests and all that. Um, You know, there's a lot of people, myself included, where it's like, you have your checklist of these are the five things that I want in this car. And it seems like once you have one of those things, then you never want to get rid of it. (laughs) Um, You know, heated seats 10 years ago, I don't care. But now, boy, it it sure is nice in January to have those heated seats. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. How how important do you think features are in the vehicle when it comes to, I guess, positioning and marketing and bringing people in? Yeah, you bring up a good point because you don't know that you want it or need it until Mm -hmm. either you don't have it or you experience it. Because I felt the same way Uh, when I get a rental car or when I drive someone else's car and I see a feature. It's like, I never knew I wanted this feature. (laughs) And now how do I live without it? You know what I mean? So you bring up a good point. I think getting them uh, exposed to those things in any way. So short form video is really popular right now. That can be on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I think those are great ways to showcase it. And you could put some ad dollars behind that in strategic areas, Um, but it it can't be very long. I think a lot of times we think of vehicle walkarounds or like, let let me show you how to work your Bluetooth. People can Google that and that that exists out there already. I think what people are really interested in is um, that feature in your Buick that you never knew existed, right? Mm -hmm. And if, you know, I saw that video, I'd be like, oh yeah, did I not? Oh my gosh, how have I not known that existed? So, I think if dealers could uh, put together some of those short form videos and advertise it that way, I think that would be great too. Yeah. And finding ways to make it interesting, I think. So um, something like a heated steering wheel, 
right? Um, do you need that? No. Is it nice to have? Yeah. But how do you show that off? You know, so finding creative ways to, I don't know, it's um, middle of winter and you go out and you start up a car and you got a plastic cup full of snow or whatever, and maybe you set it on the, the steering wheel and you can do like a, a fast play or something, right? Speed yeah. it up and, and it melts eventually. Um, I don't know, just interesting ways to show off the features. Not every feature is an is a 18 inch touchscreen monitor. Right? Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you, you got me thinking. Like my dad just got heated seats for the first time. There's yeah. those three different levels uh-huh. of those heated seats, and I really feel like the third level is like extra toasty. It reminds <laughs> me of when you get a new toaster and they show you like here's here's toaster one, here's toaster right. two. I think there could be some creative ways to showcase <laughs> like this is extremely hot. Uh, this one's pretty good if you live in Ohio yeah. maybe maybe as you get up to Maine you need level three or something <laughs> like that so you could start to use the locations a little bit more too yeah. but I think that's a great idea being creative uh, again that's what short form video is all yeah. about like showing people something that they haven't seen hopping on a trend uh, making it funny making it interesting I think that would be a great idea yeah how do you I don't know. Do you see a lot of dealers that do that on their own? Obviously, a lot of them use Naked Lime or they use other marketing agencies. Um, sometimes I feel like on the content side, some of it's really good when it comes from a dealer like Homegrown. So I don't know what you've seen or what your perspective is on that. Like where where does the best content come from? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, strategically targeting it and marketing it, like that's that's certainly your bread and butter. And, and it's like, that's like our bread and butter as a company. Um, and we we're really good at content too, but I don't know. I'm just curious because I, I do see some of the stuff that seems to stick and resonate. It seems like it's a little more homespun. Mm-hmm. I think if a dealer has a niche or yeah. a brand, um, I'm thinking of Schultz Ford in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, um, which Pittsburgh you wouldn't think is really country, but they all wear cowboy hats. They all have a shtick. There's also Carter Chevrolet that's out in Oklahoma. The, all the salesmen have beards. And I, at working with these dealers, it is a lot easier to come up with campaigns that showcase their flavor or yeah. their brand. And then we can capitalize on that with like marketed campaigns, but we can always use their brand, which I think helps. They usually organize events around um, their brand and certain ways like you know they're giving away beard oil with every purchase and so that's easy to advertise right and get Mm -hmm. people bought into um they have contests that surrounds uh the cowboy hat and that and that again makes it more marketable so i think if you're as a dealership if you're looking to uh make a make a difference in the community find something uh to tie it back to and it you know it doesn't have to be cheesy um it can be uh we, we have a lot of dealerships that just use their logo um that becomes well known in the community or a slogan that becomes well known. So uh, I don't think it needs to be so outlandish to make all your salesmen grow beards. uh, But (laughs) I think having something like that will make your marketing efforts uh, a lot more sustainable and a lot more impactful over time. Yeah. And I think the key is just being authentic, right? Like, who are you? If somebody walks in and talks to you, that's how they should perceive you in your advertising and marketing. Absolutely. If it's bearded, cool. But it doesn't have to be, to your point, it doesn't have to be goofy. Just be authentic. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, customers will respond to that, too. Yeah. Right. They'll, they'll flock there. They'll want to be a part of that family, too. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that goes back to ownership, too. The experience of coming into the dealership, feeling like a friend versus uh, a customer. Yeah. Yeah. 100 um, percent. 
All right, Emily, I wanted to talk about shift gears a little bit. Um, so obviously you've been with Naked Lime for a long time. Uh, we talked about the start of Naked Lime and we're turning a page here in, in basically July 1st, uh, coming back into the Reynolds brand, kind of the next step forward and a new growth opportunity for us. But wanted to talk to you about that. I mean, it's a, it's a little bittersweet probably for you. It is for me too, right? Mm-hmm. We have uh, yeah. you know such a, a passion for what we've done with that brand for a long time. Um, but the good news is, I mean, this is, is very clearly the right thing to do and it's the next step forward and, and an opportunity for us to really create you know what's next in, in marketing and automotive retail um, but I don't know just get your your thoughts on it and, and I guess how you doing you know emotionally <laughs> and then um, no get, get your thoughts yeah. on uh, where, where we're heading yeah it, bittersweet for yeah. sure and as it gets closer I think it becomes more bittersweet you know we've talked about all the reasons why and they have significant merit you know oh, we're, we're data backed a lot of the Reynolds uh, programs and products we're able to you know hang on the back of those and make them stronger through marketing so it, it makes sense all around um, makes sense on paper it makes sense when I talk about it um, and then I think about the personal journey and I'm like oh this is hard this yeah. is hard to let go and we're not there yet so I think it'll be even harder come July 1st uh, but I've been so impressed with just the reception that we've received already uh, the growth that Reynolds has seen the growth in my teammates I have a lot of teammates that are in the Reynolds infrastructure already and we're so happy to be a part of that now uh, I think everybody's uh, you know we're all on board with it it's just now like pushing us off of the, <laughs> of the little island and getting us back to the the mainland is what yeah. we're feeling so well and we talked about it a little bit earlier you know digital marketing has come so far in the last you know 10 or 15 years you think back to you know when when it kind of started in auto retail and it really was it was just some google text ads and and um you know maybe some seo whatever that meant at that given time um seriously right and and then then websites (laughs) and so there were these different different iterations of what digital marketing even meant um and we've gotten to this point where uh, you know, there's so much power and so much capability when it comes to targeting that having this information, having this this kind of single ecosystem to target with and really understand a customer, it's it's become so important and, and really paramount to be successful in your marketing efforts and, and certainly to be efficient in your marketing dollars. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we've been using that and doing that for, mm-hmm. you know, the last five years. So to now just be able to to merge as the brand, Mm -hmm. it really makes sense because we've over time been able to build this database and be able to house this data and clean this data and then now market this data. Uh, We've just been doing it under a, you know, a different title, a different name, a different booth, um, a different stress ball, uh, (laughs) lime versus circular. So um, really it was, it was blurred and dotty at best. And so just merging them together, um, it it feels right. And I also think it'll open up even more opportunities in the future, right? Now that we are um, really a part of it, we'll be able to explore other product integrations, Mm -hmm. uh, team better with other teams. So um, I think it'll make Reynolds uh, as a whole a lot stronger in the marketing efforts going forward. Yeah, and it should speed everything up, right? Speed development up, speed all of our processes up, um, which is, is good for everybody, right? It's good for obviously us as a company, but it's great for customers as well. And, and it'll help us get around those corners faster and see around those corners faster. And, and I'm excited about kind of the future and the growth and just, okay, what's really possible, right? We've been, we've been pushing the envelope for a long time and now having just 
even more dedicated resources and, and being able to really attack this. It's it's going to be a fun, fun next couple of years. I agree. And so anytime I get down about it, I start to think about that because <laughs> now I'm like, yeah, it is. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited uh, to break down those barriers in the product world and just to have uh, just an easier conversation between the two and it not being either an afterthought or a side thought even. It's a part of the conversation now and we're looking to build on what we're already doing. Uh, so yeah, I, I get excited as well. So yeah. are you doing good? Are you doing okay? I'm good. You're good? I'm good. You're yeah. looking forward to it as well? Yeah. Because yeah, you were here before its inception too. So You've been here longer than I. Yeah, so when I um, I got my first sales leadership role, um, I took over. It was the Reynolds Web Solutions Digital Marketing Team, I think is what it was called. But um, So it was, yeah, RWS, Reynolds Web Solutions, and it was a, a certain segment of the sales organization. Um, and I remember somebody, I told somebody that I was moving into this role, and they're like, oh, Naked Lime. Uh, and I was like, huh? They <laughs> said, you don't know? I was like, no. Like, well, I figured they'd give you that job. They'd at least give you a heads up. So what are you talking <laughs> oh, no. about? So then two weeks later, I find out all this stuff's changing. Um, oh, wow. But it was fun. You know, it, it was a great ride. And it was the right thing for us then. And this is the right thing for us now. Um, so it's it's really cool to see the evolution of, um, you know, product and company and, and um, making sure that we have the right right butts in the seats and, and people are so important in everything that we do that uh, it, it's fun to watch the growth and the change over the mm-hmm. years. Yeah, I remember when, uh, I mean, we worked together pretty closely in those first couple years when yeah. you were over the Reynolds Web Solutions, and that was where I was at. I was in the SEO world and yeah. digital advertising world, and I look back on those years really fondly. It was a it was a years full of growth mm-hmm. as well. We were, um, you know, digital becoming new, yeah. and it, it kind of feels like we're on the cusp of that again, right? And yeah. so I'm excited to see what the next iteration of leaders who are going to take this on will do and will be, and what their growth engine will be, because I know that there's a lot out there for them. So like it, I'm nostalgic for that time period <laughs> that we were working together and uh, everything seemed to be clicking and know that we're on the cusp of that again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it will hinge going forward on um, what we're able to do with this idea of like CDP, right? There's a lot of talk in the industry around customer data platform. Um, and, and you know, obviously it's, it's important to have, right? And we've been talking about targeting and data and that, that all ties into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the one thing that I, I see missing in a lot of these conversations is what do you do with it? Okay, so you have this data, you have this platform, you have all this information about your customers. Now what? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the the two dots that I think need to be connected um, for dealers to really see kind of that leap forward, which is is what I'm excited about, and I know that we're focused on is is really delivering on that. Um, but but yeah, getting from okay, customer database platform to okay, now I see results from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that because it's all kind of new, but uh, everything's coming together nicely. Yeah, I have been looking at our organization in terms of the CDP in three segments. So there's curating the CDP, right? There's getting more customer data into your platform. And mm-hmm. you can do that via advertising platforms like digital specifically. You can also do that through Conquest, what we talked about earlier. Um, so, you know, making sure you're retaining your customers and gaining new customers to build your data. So there's curating it. And again, marketing can add to that as well. Um, and then there's segmenting it and maintaining mm-hmm. it. So maintaining and segmenting, that can involve the cleaning process, making sure that you're owners are still uh, driving the vehicles, um, some householding, all of those items go into that, but then segmenting it out to 
who's most likely to buy now, who's most likely to buy in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, et cetera. Um, and that's the piece that I think can be the toughest part for dealerships because you got this lump of data, yeah. you've got all of these people, um, and it's really hard to draw some comparisons between the two if you don't have a platform to help you with that and mm-hmm. a person most likely. Yeah. So you've got that, you've got it curated, you've got it segmented, and then being able to then target that and use that. So that's those are the two pieces that I think a manager CDP comes into play. So you mentioned the two dots. Right. I feel like it's a little bit of three. No, it's good. Uh, and I think being able to utilize someone who has a lot more expertise in the targeting and segmenting, um, I think that can really help bring your dealership to the next level. No, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you said curating, segmenting, and then targeting. Uh, targeting. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So um, kind of looking forward, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of what we've been doing, but you know, there's, there's more to come certainly. So what, uh, as you've been talking to dealers and we kind of started talking about your, um, your circuit that you've been on lately. Um, so you've gotten to talk to a lot of different people in the industry. Um, you know, where do you see things kind of heading in the, the relatively near term? I mean, there's just, there's so much going on out there. It's hard to kind of pinpoint and put your finger on, um, what's next and what's new, but have you heard anything that's, that's really kind of sparked your interest or that, uh, you know, you were kind of like, Hmm, I got to look into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think the virtual retailing concept is is going to continue to take hold. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to you know have your showroom in your showroom, but also have it all virtually available as well. I think having a lot of digital response uh, and again digital marketing is going to be the future. So a, a lot of the uh, virtual retailing pieces uh, seem to be still the buzz. The CDP term is also uh, has been popping up a lot, and mm-hmm. people are talking through that too. Um, But I really think that leveraging it and being able to use it to target is still the most important. Um, And I think there are still places that are lacking in that today sure. because it is it is difficult. It's a lot of information, you know, data analysis. It's its own, um, you know, profession these days where right. it really ha- has or it's changed that profession over time. Yeah. And so having uh, that be the future, there's always um, the talk of privacy and how that will impact it and being able to use your own data. It's your data. So right. uh, that will help leverage you uh, in that regard, too. So. It seems like the virtual retailing has still been the buzz and what I've been hearing at um, at some of these conferences. Um, so any way that you can help your dealership continue to move into the digital age, continue to make it convenient and accessible for your customers, I think it'll pay off. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And I think it's interesting that it is such a common topic still. What that tells me is there's so many that haven't figured it out yet. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like this has been around forever, but we still don't have it kind of nailed down, yeah. um, which is, is really interesting. So there's a lot of opportunity there. But any, yeah, anytime I hear a topic that is um, that's popular, it either means A, it's been around for a while and we haven't figured it out or B, it's new. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that one's one where it's just like, all right, we, we got some work to do still. Yeah. The other piece of that, I think, is connecting the online experience with the in, in-person experience. So that could be some elements of the website and making, uh, you know, are you going to be able to sell a car online? Is that going to, you know, are we going to be able to make that work? Or is it, um, you know, how are you, how is your marketing going to change when you do that? And so to your point, I think connect, I don't think we've 
totally figured out all the pieces. Each of us, or most of us have all the pieces, right? right? The pieces exist, but being able to put them in a cohesive ecosystem and making sure that the customer is at the center of that ecosystem, um, I think we're we're getting close in a mm-hmm. lot of avenues. Um, but that seems to be the, the best focus right now is how can we make this the most convenient, best experience for the customer, no matter if they're looking for us online, in store, and then whatever they're looking for, do we have what they need? Uh, when they need it. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Um, well, Amberly Montgomery, uh, appreciate the conversation for sure. I want to be respectful of your time though. So before we hop off anything we haven't touched on that you want to, or anything that we should, should talk about that we haven't. I think we had a lot of good stuff today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. We've hit everything from the defection report to, to Naked Lime and Reynolds merging together. So I think I'm good. Good. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was, it was a ton of fun and we'll have to do it again soon. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. All right. Thanks. Well, that was a really fun conversation with my old friend, Amberly Montgomery. I appreciate her stopping by. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did today. Before you hop off, don't forget, you can watch or listen to new episodes of Connected on YouTube, Apple, or Spotify podcasts, and make sure to hit subscribe so you're notified every other week when new episodes are released. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in two weeks.